Good morning and happy Easter. My name is Julia. Uh, We'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, and then 36 to 49. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Morning friends, my name is Gavin and it's my joy and privilege to lead the ministry here at Gledswood Hills. It's great to see you all here this morning on Easter Sunday. What a blessing it is. I love that we've got the kids in for church this morning. They're going to be a bit wriggly and noisy and that's okay and if they're really noisy, feel free to give them a run around outside. That'd be great. We love having kids uh, in our church here uh, at Gledswood Hills. It's absolutely brilliant and 
Kids, if you're in primary school or high school, I've got a few, and you want to kind of follow along with the talk, I've got a question sheet with 12 questions on it. You can follow along and answer. It's just outside, outside there on the desk. You don't have to do this. If you're little and you want to colour in instead, or big and you want to colour in instead, uh, that's fine. But if you want to follow on the questions, um, they're there, and I'll help you along the way, and I'll tell you what all the answers are at the end of the sermon. So there's pens out there as well if you want to do that. Uh, let me pray and ask God to help us to understand His Word. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word, the Bible, and thank you for Easter Sunday when we remember the astonishing and wonderful truth that Jesus rose from the grave and all who put their trust in him will raise from the grave to be with him forever. What a glorious truth this is. What a wonderful hope we have because of him. God, we pray you, understand, you help us understand your word now to be encouraged to live for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start with a bit of a recap uh, from Friday, for those who weren't here on Friday, and for the kids uh, who were in kids' church on Friday. Um, now, on your worksheet, kids, mum and dad, you might need to help them if, if they're kindy or year one or two and they want to do it, and they might struggle to read some of the words. Um, but I'm going to try to help you with a few of the first few questions, kids, on your, on your sheet, and then I'm going to see if you can kind of figure it out for yourselves. But I'll make it really obvious for you as we go. Um, on Friday, we learned not only about Jesus, but we also learned about the Apostle Peter a lot and how we've got lots in common with him and how he was brave sometimes, but sometimes he was confused. Sometimes he even denied knowing Jesus at all. And in fact, are you ready for the first answer, kids? In fact, he denied knowing Jesus three times three times, and then the rooster crowed, reminding him what Jesus had said, and we read that he wept bitterly. He was cut to the heart for denying Jesus like that. Not two hours before, he'd promised he'd go with Jesus even unto death, and two hours later, he denied even knowing him three times. Put under pressure, Peter was weak, and he struggled, and we talked about the fact that how COVID put us under pressure and revealed how we're weak and even reminded us of our mortality. We're like Peter in many ways in our weakness, but Jesus loves us and he died on the cross for us despite our weakness and because of our weakness. We needed him to die for us on the cross. We cannot save ourselves. There's no other way to be saved except through trust in Jesus. And that's what we remembered on Friday. And today's Resurrection Sunday, the day of the year when we remember that Jesus didn't stay dead, but in fact, he rose from the grave, conquering sin, conquering the devil, and even conquering death itself. That's the second question, kids. He conquered sin, he conquered the devil, and he even conquered death itself. He offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life freely to anyone who's willing to put their trust in Him. It was really an important part of God's Word that we read there at the end of Luke's Gospel for understanding and trusting in Jesus. It's on the screen and I'll just read it one more time. While they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and He said, peace be with you. So He's risen from the grave, He appeared among them. Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened. They thought they'd seen a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? 
Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. So that was the first proof. Touch me. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, amazement, he said, do you have anything here to eat? So that was the second proof that he truly had risen. Touch me and give me something to eat. Ghosts can't eat anything any, either. If you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, you know that that's true. Ghosts can't eat food or even drink drink. Now, after he'd risen, he appeared to many people, over 400, in fact, over, at one time, over 40 days. And he appeared to his disciples, of course. And they were still struggling to believe that he'd risen from death. Here comes a third answer, kids. In the Old Testament, there was always two witnesses required to prove something to be true. There was two women who went to the empty tomb, two men, Peter and John, who consequently ran to the tomb after the women's testimony. And the two points of evidence that Jesus gave them is that you could touch him again and he could eat food. Jesus was truly risen from the grave. Now, after he had appeared to many people for many days, there's this stunning moment set in a stunning place. And I talked about this on Friday. This stunning moment on the beach where Jesus cooks a barbie for the disciples. How good is that? Barbies were invented by Jesus, it seems. No wonder Aussies love them. Um, I love the beach. I feel instantly at ease when I'm at the beach. And I can't imagine the overwhelming peace that Peter felt on the beach with Jesus in his presence. Could you imagine being on the beach with Jesus in your presence? The overwhelming peace. But that's the blessing that Peter received. Having denied Jesus, even knowing him three times, not weeks before, here he now stands on the beach with Jesus and Jesus reinstates him as one of his apostles three times. It's no coincidence. And he gives Peter an all-important job to do. So Jesus comes down to the beach, the men were out fishing, he prepares a barbecue and he calls them in and I love this scene, Peter takes off his outer garment and just kind of dives into the water from the fishing boat and swims to the shore to see Peter. It's kind of like Forrest Gump in that moment when he sees Lieutenant Dan on the wharf, and he just kind of walks off the boat, still waving into the water and swims. Peter can't wait to get uh, to Jesus on the beach. They have a barbecue, they eat food together on the beach. And Jesus pulls Peter aside for a chat. And there's three things that he tells Peter to do, and all of them are, in effect, the same command. It's a beautiful scene. Look with me on the screen. It's in John chapter 21. It's on the screen. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other disciples? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, 
do you love me? It's unsurprising, really, after he's just denied him not long ago, but Peter's hurt. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus is saying to him, are you fond of me? Do you like me a lot? But then he's saying, do you sacrificially love me? Are you willing to die for me? And in fact, the Apostle Peter would one day die, crucified, for Jesus and in his, in his name. So what Jesus was doing was not only assuring Peter that he still loved him, he was still an apostle, but he was graciously giving him the most important job there is to do in all the world. Peter was going to lead Jesus' new church in proclaiming the gospel to the world. Peter means rock. Jesus gave him this name. And it's upon Peter which Jesus builds his new resurrection church. We know how Peter felt after denying Jesus three times. We're told he wept bitterly. How do you think Peter felt now? How would you feel after you deny Jesus three times, but then you stand on this beach with Jesus, reinstated, not only as an apostle, but the head apostle on which the new church would be built. It's a beautiful moment in the gospel. It's a wonderful grace from Jesus to Peter that he reinstates him as his chief apostle. Jesus knows his weakness and Jesus knows our weakness as well. Jesus knows we need him for salvation and in life. Don't you think he knows that? And Jesus is with us as he was with Peter. Well, it's not long after this that Jesus leaves his disciples. He's taken up into heaven to sit at the hand of his right father in glory as ruler and Lord over all. But before he left, he promised his disciples to send them his Holy Spirit. And that is the last part of Peter's story that I want to share with you this Easter weekend. It was the day of Pentecost, Pente, five, it had been 50 days since Jesus had risen from the dead, 10 days since he ascended back into heaven. The disciples were gathered in a room. They were scared, they were nervous. Jesus had left them. And the Holy Spirit descended upon them in what was like tongues of fire. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter gave a great and confident speech to all were there. Thousands had gathered, you can see in the picture, thousands had gathered from all different parts of the world to see these extraordinary things that were happening in Jerusalem, these incredible wonders. And Peter, now empowered by the Holy Spirit, spoke confidently and boldly. And because of the Holy Spirit, everyone from all nations could understand what Peter was saying in their own language. It was a miracle. He spoke of what God had done through Jesus. He spoke of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I want to read to you from verse 32. 
Peter said this, God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted, exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. David did not ascend to heaven and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Jesus' grace to Peter was not only to die in his place, not only to make him an apostle, not only to give him the special job of being the head of the church, but to give him the job of preaching the good news about himself, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Isn't Jesus brilliant? Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine being Peter? Seeing Jesus perform many miracles, be arrested, you deny him, you see him crucified, you see him risen, and then you're reinstated as his chief apostle and by the power of the Holy Spirit, preach confidently to the world. Friends, this same Jesus longs to graciously give all this to you as well. God longs to give you forgiveness of sins, renewed relationship with God, empowering Holy Spirit. Christians have the same Holy Spirit living in them as Peter had living in him. We live the resurrected life with Jesus, not physically yet, but spiritually. And friends, we have the same message to give to others, the good news that Jesus has risen and forgiveness of sins is on offer freely through him. We've got the joy and the privilege of telling others about Jesus, our friends, our family, our neighbours. Who are your friends and family and neighbours who don't know about Jesus yet? You have the privilege and empowered by the Holy Spirit, the courage to tell them. We do not fear uncertainty. We do not fear governments. We do not fear other people. We do not fear death, for Christ is risen and we have his grace for life and we have his grace for eternal life. The thing that drives out fear in this life is the hope of eternal life. Friends, what is it that you fear for yourself, for your children? What do you fear? The hope of eternal life drives out fear. We have no fear as followers of Jesus. The thing that orientates our life and our priorities is the hope of eternal life. 
Our grades at school, our job, our career are important, but not that important. We have eternal life. We know how this ends as followers of Jesus. We know what's going to happen. We know it's dependent on Jesus, not on us. Friends, not to be morbid on this glorious day, but please consider this. What will you care about at your life's end? At your life's end, what are you going to care about? Not your next holiday, not your next house. All you'll care about is hope for eternal life for you and for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren. All you'll care about is what happens next for you. All you'll care about is that your children and grandchildren have hope for eternal life. That's all that will matter in the end, I can promise you. You'll want to be certain at the end of your life that you are safe with Christ and your family is as well. The hope of heaven ought to orientate our priorities right now so that we're ready then. The hope of heaven drives our life and gives us priority in life. Prioritise, friends, knowing God's Word. Prioritise gathering with Christians on Sunday to celebrate God's Word and to hear it taught. Prioritise teaching your children God's Word. And please ask for help if you need it. Ensure they have a knowledge and love for Jesus that is unwavering once they leave your care in adulthood. All that matters in the end is that Christ is risen and that we too will rise to be with him. Kids, how'd you go with the questions? Did anybody fill out the kids? Yeah, you got them all? Yep, yep. Up the back, yep. Awesome. So what was the answer to the first question? How many times did Peter deny knowing Jesus? Three. What are the three things that Jesus conquered? Sin, death, the devil. What are the two things proved he wasn't a ghost? He had flesh and he ate food. What are the three things Jesus told Peter to do? Feed my lambs. Take care of the sheep. Feed my sheep. How many people became Christians on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. Who has Jesus sent to live in us and help us as Christians? The Holy Spirit. What drives out fear? The hope of eternal life. Clem's going to lead us in prayer. Thanks, Clem.